0: Coming up on the Mindful Midlife Crisis.
1: It's exactly like building the plane while you're flying it. A lot of our life experience can't be fixed until you start breaking something. If you don't get started, you can't improve as you go along. So it's a matter of accepting that you're going to suck in the beginning. Just get your head to a place that you are, all right, I'm going to suck. Can you wrap your head around, yes, you're going to suck, and most people probably aren't even going to notice because they're too busy focused on themselves. So once you can start from that place and accept that you'll get better as you go along.
0: Welcome to the Mindful Midlife Crisis, a podcast for people navigating the complexities and possibilities of life's second half. Join your hosts, Billy and Brian a couple of average dudes who will serve as your armchair life coaches as we share our life experiences, both the good and the bad, in an effort to help us all better understand how we can enjoy and make the most of the life we have left to live in a more meaningful way. Take a deep breath, embrace the present, and journey with us through the mindful midlife crisis. Welcome to the Mindful Midlife Crisis. I'm your host, Billy, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend, Brian, on the base. Brian, how are you doing over there, man? I'm thrilled, Billy. How about you? I am also thrilled. We were just featured on Twin Cities Live thanks to our wonderful past guest and good friend, Kristen Brown. We'll add a link in the show notes so you can see Kristen talk about how amazing our podcast is. I
2: mean, she was right.
0: She is absolutely right. And she also did a stellar job of selling the podcast i believe she described us as devastatingly handsome wildly intelligent and very very funny
2: i think uh, she also said there's going to be a lot of competition for sexiest man alive (laughs) this year (laughs) did she say that i heard that
0: i think i heard that too if and if she didn't say that we'll just dub it in that that sounds great so we're feeling a little better than fine today which is. Absolutely fitting because our guest today wants you to be more than just fine. She works with people to turn them from fine to fantastic. Our guest today is Lori Seitz. Lori is the CEO of Zen Rabbit and the host of the podcast. Fine is a four letter word. She's an award winning writer, speaker and broadcaster and a nationally recognized expert in using gratitude and meditation as shortcuts to success. The most difficult thing she's ever done is leave a 22-year marriage. That experience inspired her transformational Fuck Being Fine program. That is my favorite program name of all time right there, and we are going to talk to her about that. Through it, she guides corporate teams and private clients who are finished living in a dumpster fire to a place of unprecedented clarity, peace, and productivity. She's very funny, too. When she's not working, you can find Lori in her sanctuary, a.k.a. the weight room at the gym. She also loves cupcakes, Thai food, and classic rock. Welcome to the show, Lori Sites. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Brian and I very much love rock and roll. So who are your classic rock go-to's?
1: Oh my gosh, so many. Tom Petty, uh, Van Halen, although I, I gotta admit I like Van Hagar. I do. I do, too. I like Sammy. I I like Sammy. I am,
0: too. I am, too. I think he's the better singer. I think Dave is easily more entertaining. He's a better performer. Sure, Correct. But Sammy, in my opinion, is the better singer. That's a controversial take. But... I feel validated that the three of us are on board with that one.
2: Well, I think Sammy had a lot more contribution musically to Van Halen than Dave could ever do because Sammy's a guitar player. Right. You know, so. Right. Have,
1: and and have Sammy seen... alone is good. Just Sammy on oh, his own. Yeah. I Amazing. Mean, even starting and, at
2: Montrose, you know?
1: Yeah. And if you've ever seen Sammy in concert, he goes two and a half, three hours straight. Just nice. beautiful. I'm guessing
0: you've seen Sammy Hager.
1: I have uh, several, a couple of times. And yeah. did you get to see Tom Petty before he passed? I did not. That is oh. one of the biggest regrets.
2: I played with Tom Petty one time. What? When did we were you? at Summerfest. Yeah. When we were at Summerfest, Tom Petty was in the Marcus Amphitheater. I mean, we were on a side stage completely, but I can technically <laughs> say we played <laughs> with Tom Petty because he was, I and I remember, uh, I remember driving out. And I was sitting backstage and listening because we had to roll to the next show. So I was listening to Tom Petty. You know, we were driving overnight to Iowa or something like that and listening and thinking, wow, I wish I could actually be out in front and listen to it. But we were in a stupid van. So
0: in my wallet, I have a pick from Mike Campbell tom petty and the heartbreakers guitar player because i was lucky enough to be in the third row when pearl jam opened for tom petty and mike campbell threw a pick out it hit me in the chest and then i caught it and i grabbed it off the ground and yeah the the rest is history i have Mike. i was actually practicing the ukulele with mike campbell's pick the other day interestingly enough did not make me a better ukulele player. So it's not the pick of destiny, but what have you. So Lori, we like to ask our guests what 10 roles they play in their life. So what are the 10 roles that you
1: play in your life? Number one is friend. That's always been at the top and will likely always be at the top. And then we've got daughter, sister, aunt, coach entrepreneur cat servant <laughs> baker health wellness and fitness enthusiast and number 10 is connector
0: ooh i like that one i want to talk about cat servant how far away are you from becoming a crazy cat lady
1: okay so the husband the that he he would only allow me to have two and so I only have two. I don't know <laughs> okay. what qualifies as crazy cat lady, but I don't think it's two. I think it's money more than two.
0: I'm going to say three is teetering, and four you're you're there. You're there. Yeah,
2: you're there. <laughs> <at> four.
0: <laughs> so you're still safe. Two is because they need a friend, right? Right. They need a friend. So you're, right, they need they need someone
1: safe. to beat up on.
0: <laughs> right. So what are the three roles that you are most looking forward to in the second half of life?
1: Yeah, that's a. That's a tall order i don't i I can't pick three. do I have to pick three because I, I, okay, so I said definitely friend, friend, no question. I don't know how I would have made it to my life at this point without being and having friends, but I mean really i see I see myself in all of those roles moving forward, except possibly I mean, I will always be a daughter, but who knows how much longer my dad will still be be alive so that one might drop out and then I would love to add partner to my list of roles. So I
0: brought up connector before. I'm I'm curious about that. What do you mean by connector?
1: Networking connect like connecting people, not just networking, but who who can I put together? Who can I introduce? And how can I build connections? So my feeling is we live in a society in a world where people feel so disconnected. so many issues that we are looking at that are going on are I believe because people just don't feel connected to other people and so this role of connector to me is taking it has several meanings it's one how who can I introduce you to on a business level, or who can I introduce you to just because I think you'd be that You two would be cool friends or something like that. But then also, how can I help people feel more connected to other humans?
2: You know, it's really interesting because you're first off, you're right. I think people feel more disconnected from other people these days. But I'm wondering the question that popped into my head while you were talking is, why do you guys think that is when we have so many more ways to communicate there. You can't go anywhere without somebody being able to find you now, but yet we feel disconnected.
1: Because we are connected on a surface level. We're not connected at a heart level.
0: That's what I was going to say. I feel like those connections are more superficial. Right. Right. And the one thing that I really like about your podcast is you have an array of guests on your show, and they're from all over the place. So I feel like, yeah, you are a connector because you're reaching out to people from all parts of the world, not just the United States, but all parts of the world. You're connecting with people. I saw that you had a guest on there from Australia. So I imagine that your role as a coach really lends to being able to build connections with other people.
1: It does. In fact, my program is within the Fuck Being Fine program. It's called the Trilogy for Success. And the trilogy is gratitude, connections, and courage. So connections is extremely important just as being a human.
0: Yeah, and you brought up that Fuck Being Fine, once again, my favorite program name ever. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break, and then we come back. We're going to let Lori talk about what that Fuck Being Fine program is, just so I can continue saying, fuck being fine. Thank you for listening to The Mindful Midlife Crisis. Thank you for listening to The Mindful Midlife Crisis. If you're enjoying what you've heard so far, please do us a favor and hit the subscribe button. Also, Giving our show a quick five-star review with a few kind words helps us on our quest to reach the top of the podcast charts. Finally, since you can't make a mixtape for your friends and loved ones like you used to do, share this podcast with them instead. We hope our experiences resonate with others and inspire people to live their best lives. Thanks again. And now, let's take a minute to be present with our breath. If you're listening somewhere safe and quiet, close your eyes... And slowly inhale for four, three, two, one. Hold for seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Slowly exhale for eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Let's do that one more time. Inhale for four, three, two, one. Hold for seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Slowly exhale for eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Go ahead and open your eyes. You feel better? We certainly hope so. And now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Mindful Midlife Crisis. We are here with transformational coach Lori Seitz. You can check her out at www.zenrabbit.com. Listen to her podcast, Fine is a Four-Letter Word. Lori, I'm going to ask you a question that you're familiar with from your podcast, but I'm going to put a little twist on it here. So what are the values and beliefs that were instilled in you as a child, but how have those values and beliefs evolved into this fuck being
1: fine program? Okay, you turned the tables on me. The, the values and beliefs that were, that, I, that were instilled in me, a couple of them. One was education is important. And that is always and always will be one of the values that I carry because, as again, as humans, growth and development, that's what our soul needs. A lot of times, people get stuck at fine because they're not growing. Their soul is crying for more, and that's where they get stuck. So other beliefs. You know, my mom used to tell a story about me at six years old coming home from first grade in tears because I got a 96 on a spelling test, 96, not a hundred. Oh man. Yeah. And that plays into, she, she didn't know where that came, like, where did that perfectionism come from? And so somewhere that belief was instilled in me that I had to be perfect. I had to be better than everyone else, not from a, An egotistical place just because that's how I felt I had to be. You know, it's okay if you got a 96, but it's not okay if I got a 96. So I have evolved from that. And now I'm at a place where I'm more like, okay, done is better than perfect. Let's get to it. Because otherwise I'm standing on the sidelines, which I did for many years, looking at everybody else playing, let's say, and not jumping in because I wasn't sure I could do it perfectly. I was missing out. Let's just go already. I'm glad that you said that because
0: it reminds me there's a great program here in the Twin Cities called Youth Frontiers. And Youth Frontiers works with teenagers. They do retreats and stuff like that. And one of the messages that they have is celebrate the 97 right. Forget about the three wrong, but celebrate the 97 right. And I struggle with perfectionism. Anybody who listens to the show knows that I struggle with perfectionism. Brian definitely knows that I struggle with perfectionism. He does. <laughs> he does.
2: I can confirm this. It is confirmed.
0: But I think you're right. There was a point with this podcast there was just a you know what it's good enough and we're going to put it out there and this is going to happen and we were able to put it out there and and now we're building momentum and Though it sometimes feels like we're building the plane while flying it, I feel like we have a good structure in place. So how do you keep that in check then when you're working with your clients?
1: It's exactly like building the plane while you're flying it. A lot of our life experience can't be fixed until you start breaking something. If you don't get started, you can't improve as you go along. So it's a matter of accepting that you're going to suck in the beginning. Just get your head to a place that you are, all right, I'm going to suck. And nobody's going to care. Like, can you wrap your head around, yes, you're going to suck. And most people probably aren't even going to notice because they're too busy focused on themselves. So once you can start from that place and accept that you'll get better as you go along.
0: And they're probably stuck thinking about themselves in the, I also suck. (laughs) Exactly. They're they're self-conscious about that. So they're too busy worrying about their own suckiness to think about your suckiness. I had an
2: example of this this week. In fact, my oldest child, we were sitting down and he wanted to learn how to play guitar. And I I gave it to him. And and then I see the guitar laying around later. And I'm like, well, have you picked it up? And he's like, no, I stopped because I stunk at this. I'm like, well, what do you expect? You're just starting guitar. You have, you're going to suck and you're going to suck for a long time, but you'll get better if you keep sucking.
0: I remember trying to teach my students mindfulness. And there was one student in particular, and she really struggled with perfection. And she would say, I'm just not doing it right. I'm not doing it right. I can't get these thoughts out of my head, da 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 da. I can't focus on my breath. And it was just like, listen, when you're practicing mindfulness, you're doing it right. Mindfulness is all about failure. You're constantly failing during a meditation. You're constantly failing during mindfulness practice. And that's the point. The point is to recognize that, oh, hey, I'm not thinking about my breath anymore. So let me turn my attention back to my breath and let's see if I can go a little bit longer stretched this time thinking about that. And you really incorporate gratitude and meditation and visualization into this toolbox for your
1: program. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. I, well, when we're talking about connection, the connection piece of the Trilogy for Success, well, so all right, starting with the gratitude piece, which is its own pillar, gratitude is the highest vibration energetically that you can be at, love and gratitude. Are the highest. So if you can get yourself into feeling those emotions, then you are, you just feel better, right? It feels better to be vibrating or to, let's just not even go into the energetic vibration thing. That may be too woo woo. But even just feeling emotionally, feeling love and gratitude feels so much better than being stuck down in anger. Resentment, frustration, overwhelm. And to be fair, if you are feeling any of those emotions, go ahead and feel them. I'm not saying cover them up and pretend they don't exist, feel them. My point is, though, when you can feel gratitude and then feel it, express it, share your gratitude with other people, let them know that you're grateful for them. Now you're taking it to the next level biochemically, the changes that happen in your brain and in your body when you are feeling grateful, <laughs> it's, it's incredible. You know, right now where people are talking about immune, immune system more than ever, when you are in a state of gratitude and feeling that, that emotion, your body is flooded with the feel good chemicals, serotonin and um, dopamine, which boosts your immune system. So it's not just, oh, yeah, I feel good, like you're on some kind of drug. You are actually physically, you're affecting your physical and biochemical systems.
0: So you talk about gratitude. So you enjoy baking, and you launched this Zen Rabbit Baking Company and started what you call Gratitude Cookies. So what are these? What role does gratitude play in the work? did these gratitude cookies then add to that sense of happiness for you? And I'm kind of looking at it from a love languages point. Are your love languages or is one of your love languages acts of service or gifts to tie that all together?
1: Yeah. My love language is acts of service. Good call. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. When I started the baking company, that was my first venture into entrepreneurs, entrepreneurship And uh, that business was, I was making and selling gratitude cookies, which were based on a family recipe. We used to make them for the holidays. And as an adult, when I started making them, people would say, Oh my gosh, these are so good. You should sell these. Like every food entrepreneur's story. Yeah. So I turned it into a business, but not to be the next Mrs. Fields. I have a background in marketing and communications. So I looked at it as how can I make this a marketing tool for businesses to say thank you to their clients? and ran that business for 11 years couldn't quite scale it the way i wanted to and shut it down but that is what drew me into the whole world of gratitude because when i was running that business i was talking a lot about gratitude how gratitude in business affects success
0: you also have here courage as part of this framework and you know you just talked about the gratitude cookies and starting that business right and you've done the Zen rabbit, right? You're doing the podcast. These things take courage because you're putting yourself out there. You're taking risk. We talked to John Wessinger about re-examining our relationship with risk. So talk about how does courage work into this framework?
1: Yeah. Well, I skipped over, you had asked me earlier about the connection piece of the thing, and as it ties into meditation. So one of the, key pieces of the connection pillar is connection to yourself. And that's where the meditation part comes in. So you can have, you can be super grateful. You can be in that state of gratitude. You can be very connected and still not take action because you need the courage piece. And so I think that's where, and that kind of ties into the name of the program of the fuck being fine because you get to a point where you're just like, oh, I cannot take being fine one more day. You could have been fine for 20 years. Some people stay at that place for that many, many years. And then one day you just snap, not in a killer psychotic way, but you just snap. (laughs) I'm thinking of the show. You know, there there used there's a show, there used to be a show called Snapped. I think it was on the oxygen channel. Do you remember? It was about killers.
2: It's like yeah. a, a crime show. Yeah.
1: Crime, right. True crime <laughs> show. Anyway, one day you just go, I'm done. I cannot stay at fine anymore. And that is why I named the program that, because you just you're like, I'm done. So
0: what was the moment for you when you realized, you know what, fuck being fine?
1: Yeah. It was a gradual process as it is for most people. I mentioned I shut down that business because I couldn't the baking company because I couldn't scale it the way I wanted to. And I had decided already that I was going to shut it down. And then at the same time, my mom was diagnosed with an ac- acute form of leukemia and she passed away about six weeks later. And that was, um, that was in 2014. And so those two things, as I was going through mourning the death of my business and my mother, got me to start thinking about, okay, do I want to live the next 20 years the same way I lived the last 20 And not that those 20 years previous had been terrible, they hadn't. They were fine. But how much? She was only 73 years old. So, how much time do I have? And nobody knows. What do I want to do moving forward? And it still took me another four years before I decided to leave my marriage because, again, it was fine. There was nothing. He's an amazing human, and we still have a lot of love and respect for each other. Not the right relationship for either one of us to say stay in. It wasn't serving either one of us. But because it's fine, it's hard to jump out of that. You know, how like why would you jump out of something that was good enough? Well, it could be worse on the other side. You don't know, and that's why people stay stuck, and that's why it recur- requires that courage. So. At one point I just I just went, yeah, okay. We have to rip off this band-aid.
0: You asked one of your guests this question, and when you asked it, it hit me like, oh wow, I wonder if Lori is asking this because she thought this. So the question you asked was, and you actually alluded to it a little bit before too, when you were talking about the 96 right. Did you think it was okay for other people to get divorced, but not you?
1: Yes. Yes, a hundred percent. And lots of my friends, my parents ha divorced, both of my parents divorced twice, and uh, now my dad's been married for 30 years, successfully. So but <laughs> but uh, yeah, friends, other family members? I have no issue with it. but yes, not for me. I was committed.
0: And so you've talked about how leaving that marriage was the hardest thing you've ever done, but it also sounds like it was a catalyst for reinvention.
1: Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. It was the hardest thing because, as I said, there's still a lot of love and respect, and there is to this day. We were together for 30, almost 30 years, so that was pretty much the entirety of my adult life. How there's so much history and, you know, the inside jokes and stuff. Like that was so difficult to leave. And at the same time, none of the things that I'm doing now would have ever happened had I stayed. And other people who have known me for a very long time have seen that same transformation too. And they knew too, you know, It wasn't serving either one of us. It was, so I was feeling a lot of guilt for leaving that because I was the one who instigated, started it. Initiated? (laughs) Initiated, thank you, that's the word. Yeah, so I felt a lot of guilt for a couple of years. And at one point he said to me, we would have to compromise too much of who we are to ever get back together. And he said that to help me get through that. And so true. Like I think about that all the time now and I I see it in other people's relationships playing out. Yes. Relationships require sacrifice and compromise, but compromising on where you're going to dinner, not compromising who you are at your core. That's not okay.
0: That story really resonates with me because, and and I wasn't with this person for 30 years. I was with them for five and a half, but it was the relationship was fine. It was actually more than fine. It was it was it was a a great relationship, but there were certain things missing from that relationship, and it was just one of those things where it's like we had a conversation, and she said something similar to what your ex husband said. It was just like if you're not getting what you need out of this relationship, then you should go and be with somebody who can give you those things. And it was a great gift, and that's why we're still friends to this day. I think that's another thing too, just kind of hearing you talk about that. I think it's important for people a to recognize that you need to say to yourself, fine, isn't enough. Like as you were talking about that, it made me reflect on how many things I stuck out just because I was fine. And I was fine in my job as I've been fine in relationships, I was fine in this, fine in that. But that wasn't good enough. And those things holding me back, like you said, that there were things holding me back. And now I've had this opportunity because I'm on leave be- to do the traveling that I've always wanted to do. Right. And without saying, you know what, there's more out there and I just want to go and look at it, I don't know that I would have sought out these kind of opportunities. So I think your message of saying to yourself, being fine is is not enough, is really, really powerful. And then in, in continuation, the idea that you can still have an amicable relationship with someone that that you loved very deeply, but you recognize that that love was just fine for an extended amount of time and then you had to move on.
1: One of the the catalysts or things that recognized that really pushed me to finally make the move was not for my own best interest, but for his. It wasn't fair to him to not be in to be in a relationship with somebody who wasn't a hundred percent in.
0: Yeah, sometimes I have a hard time with that, because if someone has said that to me, I'm like, well, you don't know what's best for me. But sometimes you're so stuck in the the belief that, no, 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 we can make this work. No, no, we can make this work. And you just need that someone to say, no, it's done.
1: That's another great point. As an entrepreneur, especially with my background, entrepreneurs are told you never give up keep going, you know, yes, it's going to be hard sometimes, but you just keep going, keep going, keep going, which is one of the things that kept me in the first business for 11 years because you don't give up, you know, you figure it out. And at the same time, sometimes you do need to say, all right, this window is closed, but another window might be open. So I need to look I need to look around the room instead of keep beating my head against this closed window. At some point,
0: you just got to say enough is enough. Yeah. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break and when we come back, we're going to continue talking to transformational coach Lori Seitz. Thank you for listening to the Mindful Midlife Crisis. Thanks for listening to the Mindful Midlife Crisis. We will do our best to put out new content every Wednesday to help get you over the midweek hump. If you'd like to contact us, or if you have suggestions about what you'd like us to discuss, feel free to email us at mindfulmidlifecrisis at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram at mindful_midlife_crisis. midlife underscore crisis. Check out the show notes for links to the articles and resources we reference throughout the show. Oh, and don't forget to show yourself some love every now and then too. And now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Mindful Midlife Crisis. We are here with transformational coach Lori Sites. Lori not only does individual transformations, but she also does some corporate programs as well. So Lori, do you want to talk about your corporate programs and your workshops for that?
1: Sure, there are a couple of different different ways to go inside corporations and I'm still working my way through but two different ways. One is the sales department. So I was having a conversation with somebody I met at a networking event couple months ago and we were talking about what is the biggest challenge that your team that you face with your team. And he said, they're always looking for a shortcut. If I tell them to do something in five steps, they want to do it in three. If I tell them it's three steps with a worksheet, they want to get rid of the worksheet. And I thought, oh, okay. And we kept talking, we were talking about books we've read we've read and a whole bunch of stuff and and the whole mindfulness and meditation and all the things. And we got to the end of our our conversation, and he said, Would you come in and talk to my team about this stuff? I said, Sure. So we did that. But it, it's a matter of, you know, we, again, we live in a society where the key to success is hard work. And most people are already working as hard as they can, and they're not at the level of success that they might like to be. So what else have you got in the toolbox? And that's where that gratitude and meditation piece comes in. The highest performing business leaders in the world all practice meditation. And they will tell you that they will credit their success to that practice. So if they're doing it, we're talking about people like Ray Dalio and Ariana Huffington and um, Bill Ford, chairman of Ford Motor Company, Richard Branson. If they're practicing meditation and you want to be a successful business person, why would you not? practice meditation. There's more to it than, and there's boatloads of science and research behind how and why it works. But a lot of business people still don't know. So I want, I'm bringing this into the sales. Yes, you still need to do the work. Okay. You're not going to meditate on the couch and buckets of money are going to fall from the sky. However, if you could shortcut your success by adding in gratitude and meditation, why wouldn't you want to do that? And so I am on this quest to bring this to corporate now.
0: And that is one of the beauties of your podcast because not only do you do your interviews, but you also have meditations and they're eight to 12 minute meditations. So if you're looking for a place to start, That's a good place to start is Lori's podcast. Again, it's called Fine as a Four-Letter Word. I am a little disappointed that you didn't go with Fuck Being Fine as the name of your podcast. That's okay, but you can get those meditations there. And I was listening to a meditation on the way here because I'm a spaz and I need to settle in and meditations help me do that. In fact, Lori, I kind of like your style because I feel like you have a lot of energy and I feel like there's an intensity about you as well. Yet you practice mindfulness. And my joke is I practice mindfulness to stay at this level of intensity and You recognize the importance of it. And I I said, Lori, I like this so much. I almost feel like I want to steal this idea and make it part of our podcast. And, And you said, go for it. Why?
1: Because we need more people who are coming from a place of groundedness, sense of peace, and calm in the world. This is how you make rational decisions. This is how you make decisions from a place of responding instead of reacting and we look around us, everybody is like hair on fire all the time. And that is not a place to live from. It's not healthy in any sense of the word. And so the more people we can get introduced to mindfulness and meditation, the better off our entire world is going to be.
0: That's one thing that I've always said is that mindfulness might not solve all the world's problems, but it'll just make the world's problems a little bit easier for us to manage.
1: Or we will be better at solving the problems because of the place where we're coming from. So this is one of the things that I've been practicing for years, meditation. All right, around the time that my business and my mom passed away, that's when I really started doing it consistently. But there is nothing. So I said, leaving my marriage, hardest thing I ever did. But meditation and doing it every single day I do it before I get out of bed in the morning, there's really not a lot that can rock my world permanently. Like I am very grounded. There's chaos. There can be chaos going on around me, but I am the calm In the eye of the storm. And everybody I know knows that about me. And it's to that credit because 20 years ago, mm -mm, that was not me.
0: You also have some educational experience, in that you were a pre GED and adult literacy teacher. So, you know, since this focuses on reinvention, what has your experience as an adult educator taught you about people looking to reinvent their lives?
1: Yeah, that was uh, that was a great experience. I'm a very big proponent of literacy. I mean, who's not? But it, I can I can't imagine because I taught myself how to read when I was 5. I can't imagine not being able to read, especially now with all of the the technology and the the way the world is now. So, being able to teach other people how to read is is something that's really near and dear to my heart. So, my first adult literacy student was mentally challenged, and she I mean, she was starting at zero. She didn't know how to read. She didn't know the alphabet. And this is where a lot of people start. And her reason for wanting to learn how to read was so that she could read The Washington Post on the bus. I don't know, she the bus or the train. I think it was the bus that she took to work every day. And she wanted to be able to read The Washington Post so that other people wouldn't the other people on the bus wouldn't think she was stupid. And it was unlikely that she was ever going to get to that level. But I love that she had that goal and that she was willing to put in the work to do it, to start it and to keep at it. Because really, no matter what goal that you have, you know, you have to start it. We talked about that earlier about you got to jump in and start somewhere and you have to stick with it even when it's going to get difficult. Because it is going to get difficult. Every single journey moving off of fine is going to be hard. It's going to suck hard, especially in the beginning. And then it gets better. Yeah, a lot of the guys in the pre GED class that I taught had been incarcerated. They were young, they were like older teens and early 20s, but they came to that class because they wanted to make a change in their life. They didn't want to be you know, criminals for the rest of their life. And they had a lot stacked against them, which is probably why they, uh, you know, didn't make it through school, (laughs) knowing how to read at any level. But again, they wanted to reinvent themselves to become better humans. And that's, I mean, just so much satisfaction being able to help people whether it's learning how to read or whether it's learning how to reconnect your that voice inside of you, your own intuition through meditation again, yeah, and either either one of those journeys or any other journey that you're going on, it, it's just so important to have, you know, one, have somebody along to help guide you and two, to have somebody to offer you encouragement.
0: You've kind of alluded to this here but how did that experience then shape the work that you do as a transformational coach?
1: Growing up, I always said I wanted to be a teacher because that was the that was one of the roles that I saw as that's something my mom did before she had kids, so <laughs> but back then, you know, I was thinking of myself standing in front of a classroom of elementary school kids. I didn't now I see what what it really is. And it's teaching and guiding and coaching, which I have naturally done my entire life, doing that on a different level and with different lessons.
0: So we've had a lot
1: of guests on
0: this season who value Fitness. And you are no different. When we talked to Greg Scheinman a couple episodes ago, he talked about the importance of fitness in midlife. And later on this season, we're going to be talking to personal trainer, gym owner and endurance athlete, Aaron Boyke, about how we can put our healthiest foot forward. And it sounds like you're a disciplined gym goer, despite being a very busy person. So what motivates you to continue going to the gym as you navigate midlife and all the commitments and responsibilities that go along with being our age?
1: I love that you use the word disciplined because that is a word that has often been applied to me, people in in disbelief. Like, I can't believe you're so disciplined. Yeah, I am. I just am. I started going to the gym when I was 17 got my driver's license and joined a gym. Like how it's totally crazy because neither one of my parents worked out and nobody else in my family really. I don't know where that came from, but I just jumped into it and the weight room, as you mentioned in the introduction, is my sanctuary. That's where I go and put on my my music and I just the weight room. Like don't ask me to run you know, a hundred miles in cardio. Uh, no, but <laughs> give me some weights. Give me a squat rack. Yeah. It's, it's about being strong and it is about health and fitness. And yes, I'm not going to say it's not, there's no part of it. That's about vanity. There is, uh, and I would challenge, you know, a lot of 30 year olds, you want to come do a workout with me. I I got, you're not going to keep up. <laughs> <laughs> all I got to say, but, but yeah, I mean, I think to me now it's so ingrained. It's my dad's funny. So I've been working out since I was 17 and he still at times will say, so you still working out? Yeah. Dad still brush my teeth too.
0: <laughs> oh, L- Lori, I really enjoy talking to you because like I said, you have that intensity. There is a crackle and there is a certain bravado that you bring to a conversation. Even when we were exchanging emails, I'm like, I'm going to enjoy talking to this woman right here because you really have a, a personality and it shows. And I imagine people enjoy working with you because they know what they're going to get. So how do you screen people when they are looking to work with you? Are there things that that you tell them, hey, this is who I am and you need to buck up or saddle up? Or do you go at it a different way and meet them where they're at?
1: It's kind of a combination of both, but there are attributes that I look for. And one of them, interestingly enough, is are they involved in volunteer activities? Where, where are they coming from in that regard? What's their involvement in their community? And then a lot of it is intuition because I'm very in touch with that. How do I feel when I'm talking to this person? Like, you guys, I'm having a great conversation. I would love to continue having conversations with you. Or do I feel like mm, it's just not a good fit? And that's okay. Not everybody's going to be a good fit. One of the things that I've evolved into is I will tell you what I think. Well, I grew up, I was a very shy child, so I was afraid to say the wrong thing. But I'm at a point now where I'm like, if I think it's going to help you, I'm not going to be mean about it. But if I think it's going to help, even though it might sting a little bit, I'm going to tell it. I'm going to say it. Because somebody you're probably not hearing it from anybody else, and you need to hear it, and I will tell you.
0: Well, if you think Lori is a good fit for you, I strongly encourage you to check out the podcast. Fine is a four-letter word. Go to her website, www.zenrabbit.com. You can follow her on Instagram, zen underscore rabbit. We'll put all this stuff in the show notes. Be sure to take a look at that right there. Lori, we had a blast talking to you. Thank you for joining us.
1: My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Billy. Brian on the base. Thank you. And
0: thank you for sharing in the glorious moment of us making our television debut today. We really appreciated that. It was fun to share that moment with somebody else.
1: Congratulations on that.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for bringing all that mojo into the room. So for Lori, for Brian, this is Billy. Thank you for listening to the Mindful Midlife Crisis. May you feel happy, healthy, and loved. Take care, friends. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the Mindful Midlife Crisis podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. If this episode resonates with you, please share it with your family and friends. We will do our best to put out new content every Wednesday to get you over the midweek hump. If you want episodes to be downloaded automatically to your phone each week, all you need to do is hit the checkmark, subscribe, like, or follow button, depending on what podcast format you're using. While you're at it, feel free to leave our show a quick five-star review with a few kind words so more people like you can easily find our show. If you're really enjoying the show and you want to help us out, feel free to make a donation to www.buymeacoffee.com backslash podcast. That's www.buymeacoffee.com backslash podcast. You can also access the link in our show notes. We use the money from these donations to pay whatever expenses we incur from producing the show. But ultimately, we record this show for you. So if you keep listening, we'll keep recording and releasing new episodes each week regardless. If you'd like to contact us or if you have suggestions about what you'd like us to discuss on future episodes, feel free to email us at mindfulmidlifecrisis at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram at mindful underscore midlife underscore crisis. Be sure to check out the show notes for links to the articles and resources we reference throughout the show. Thanks again for listening. May you feel happy, healthy, and loved.